the commentary from I've just seen clips because I would never watch it on the TV. The commentary is disgusting and terrible. Pierre, lovely to have you with us uh, on episode 43 of Halfway Up Middle. Um, for the sports fans out there, I know we've been inundated with requests, but Matthew Parker is out golfing again. But he might jump on at any point, so uh, hold on to your hats. It'll sure it'll sure be exciting stuff when he arrives. Pierre, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, Liam. I'm good. Good to see you again. Feels like a long time in a bizarre way since we last spoke. Um, just because I think the frequency was so much, and then it's just we've gone back to our usual sporadic episodes whenever we're free. Uh, but yeah, no, um, it, no, I'm all good. I'm all good. How, yeah, how are you? No complaints, mate. All well uh, up in Aberdeen. Pete, for the sports fans, have you got a job? So I don't actually at, at the moment. I tell you, but I have had I had a final interview, um, but a couple of days ago, I'm told it went very well, um, and I'm told that I'll find out um, beginning of next week because of uh, you know various people not being around and things like that. So fingers crossed, fingers crossed um, that that comes to fruition. A few plates spinning elsewhere though, but uh, I'd love to have a job as a, as a as a cricket media correspondent after our experiences though the other week. Um, that would be the dream, would it not? Mate, it's a chance, like, there's a chance. Get them in. Get you in. Yeah. Get you out to uh, the US and the West Indies after Scotland have now qualified for the T20 World Cup. Big um, time. Big time. You like a, like a couple of weeks out there, mate? Oh, mate. You know, all expenses paid sounds absolutely superb. Why not? I mean... Uh, yeah, um, that, that, that let, let's let's see if we can do a, a, a crowdfunder to get halfway up middle out there or something like that. You know, <laughs> I folk will be saying that's a one-way ticket out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to a proper World Cup as well, Pete. I think I think by I think I'm right in saying there will be five. No, f- let me get this right. Was it four groups of five, Pete? I think. I think it's yeah, it's four groups of five. I'm actually. Bizarrely, as you're saying that, I'm frantically looking at it on on the Wikipedia page. But yeah, four groups of five, with top two from each group qualifying for a for a sort of super eight stage. Um, I, in a really weird way, I kind of hope that the big three qualify out of those top over those out of those groups, just so that uh, they don't change the format again. Because I think this is a great format, you know, twenty teams. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, next, I'm right. But right in the peak of the summertime in um, in the West Indies in America, I mean, if they host it in Texas, it'll be about 110 degrees, I think, around that sort of time of year. Yeah, Maybe cool. not so good for the Scottish skin, but we'll see. Playing games at midnight. Um, anyway, back to uh, our most recent tournament, mate. We finished mm-hmm. winners, a uh, clean sweep, all victories, and culminating in probably the game of the tournament, um, which was Scotland Island on the Friday in a mm-hmm. packed uh, Grange. Um, Pete, unfortunately, none of us could be there. 
uh, you were down south, but did you catch any of it? So I did, I'll be honest with you, Liam, I only followed it. I could only follow it kind of online because I was actually at another cricket game that day. I was at Cheltenham, uh, the Cheltenham Festival, Gloucestershire versus Worcestershire. I wish I had been at the Grange because my team was uh, doing a damn sight better than they were in front of my very eyes. Um, but no, I know we were, we were all pinging along messages all the time in our WhatsApp group because um, it was quite the game. And I have seen one or two bits and pieces, highlights, and I've obviously seen some of our media colleagues um, comment on Twitter about how good a game it was. Um, but yeah, what a wonderful, uh, what a wonderful game it was, and great to see a packed house. Um, yeah, just superb, superb. I'm sure we're going to talk about it in a bit more detail, are we not now, Liam? Absolutely. Um, so I did have a, I didn't see quite a lot of it to be honest, Pete. Um, and some really uh, standout performances by standout performers. Um, for Scotland in recent times. I think we questioned uh, Richie Bennington uh, after a slow start to the the ODI stuff in Zimbabwe, Um, but he has really hit some form. Um, Again, another crucial innings for Scotland and and scoring a real quick uh, strike rate. So Scotland batted first, folks, and scored 213 for six after 20 overs. Uh, It was a real superb batting display. Mm-hmm. Um, Pete Brandon McMullen, another one to to talk about. Uh, oh. Scored six to eight from thirty five balls, including five sixes and four fours. Just like running out of superlatives for this boat. Absolutely. I mean, what what? A, do you know it's funny um, with Brandon McMullen? I, as I said, I was at Cheltenham that day, and. Um, in the afternoon, I, 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 well, just towards the end of the day, the, the Scotland result will come in. And um, you know, as is the way at these outgrounds, you see the coaches and the players sort of often wandering around doing a lap of the ground. And I was doing a lap of the ground with my old man at the time. And I ran into the, the, the Gloucestershire coach, who I don't know at all. But I was like, <laughs> can I have a quick word? And I said, and, and I said, have you? I said, have you had a look at this guy, Brandon McMullen? He's, you know, he plays for Scotland. And I know that you taught him at school and I'm like he he can qualify as a domestic player surely we've got to be signing him for the rest of the season if nobody else does and he tried to tell me that he qualified as he didn't qualify because he was some kind of because of his nationality but I'm like you've got to get onto these Scotland boys right now but what a knock from Brandon McMullen I mean 68 off 35 he's really showing showing us that this guy is the real deal um, and he's only going to get better, isn't it? Which is just wonderful. 23 years of age. It's remarkable, isn't it? Oh, fantastic. Absolutely superb. Um, just looks so measured that the crease doesn't look flustered at all. Looks like he's got time. Love the way what I love the way, I was about to say, love the way he walks out to bat. But he doesn't walk out to bat. He kind of jogs out to bat. Plays a, plays a few shots as he's going out there and uh, kind of gets on his toes. Quite like that. Um I Pete, when you go to bat, is that is that something that you would? Yeah, would like? a walkout is a very important part. I feel. I feel you can carry yourself in such a way that it creates a kind of fear and sort of atmosphere. I mean, you think about Viv Richards, the way he used to walk out, sort of swinging his bat with a real confident swagger. I think that's a. I think that's a really important thing. You know, even if it is coming out at a bit of pace, a bit of frenetic freneticism in some respects. I mean, absolutely. Um, I think that's got a, got a serious uh, a serious thing, actually. You know, when you see 
Scotland players come out to bat in club cricket, I often think, yeah, they've got something about, they've worked out that it's the, this is the way to do it, walk out in a certain way. Um, and it, it can give you a few runs. I mean, uh, for sure, for sure. So, uh, kind of the mainstay of the of the innings there was, was Berenton and McMullen uh, putting on over 100 uh, of a partnership um, in quick time as well. Really raced on. They were, when Richie got out, they were 130 for three through 12 overs. So, you know, scoring ahead of 10, uh, 10 and over. And down the bottom as well, Crossy, some runs for him. Desperately needed these runs, but um, by all accounts has been struggling with a, a finger injury. Um, is that right? Yeah, been. It was. Uh, it was your mate Pete, Pete de la Pena, PDP, that was uh, telling us about that on uh, the commentary one day, mate. That he'd hurt his finger uh, or broken his finger uh, whilst in Zimbabwe, and he's just kind of been nursing it since then. So that would explain why T Mac came in and uh, deputised, and maybe why he's been maybe he's been struggling for a bit of form, but. 30 quickly in 21 balls, five uh, fours, and then Lieske, another quickfire, 21 from 15, a six, and a couple of fours for Lieske. So I think at 213 for six at halfway, I'd say the majority of Scottish cricket fans would think they were home and hosed, and um, that would look too large a total for Ireland. Um, Pete, at halfway, did you were you aware of the score? What did you think? Yeah, no, I was following it the whole way and I, I thought, yeah, 2.13, just that pace they were going at the whole time, it looked like, you know, over 200 was on the cards, if not 2.20. And just the way that Grange had been playing the rest of the week earlier, it felt like 2.13 was going to be a big enough total to, to defend. But the Island is certainly a bit of a bogey team for us in some respects. Only have to go back to the T20 World Cup itself. Yeah. Last year to know that. Yeah. They're a team heavily stacked with firepower up the top. And when you when you get like Sir Bill Burnley, Tucker, Tector, you know, with twenty on the board, then it's you think that would be it, it's plain sailing. Then when you get Sterling, it's probably their kind of main strike batsman, and it's only forty four on the board, then I thought personally that was it all done. But it was swinging uh back towards Irish yeah. towards the end once uh, the kind of middle order got them stable and then Mark Adair, who to be honest, I don't really thought he was that type of batsman, but geez, he could hit a ball and it got quite scary at times. Absolutely. What, what I thought was impressive was that even though the Irish lost early wickets, they were keeping up with the pace the whole time. Sterling was out 44 for four before the end of the fifth over, you know. So they're already up 9, 10 and over, which means that the batsmen coming in are not having to go at 15s as well as, you know, so they could sort of consolidate at the at the rate. Um, and every one of our bowlers, with the exception of Curry, was going over the rate, you know what I mean? You know, I think Watty bowled, that, bowled the second over the game, went for 16. Um, you know, Mullen had one over, went for 16. Everybody was just getting absolutely carted, it seemed. Apart from one man, apart from our, our newbie, as it were, you know, who who bowled some set. I mean, five for thirteen—that's pretty special, eh? Yeah, five for thirteen and a, a maiden as well, which is uh, which is worth its weight in gold in a match like that. Um, looked really impressive. Got the ball exactly in the right place. Probably benefited from maybe bowling against 
better batsman, maybe, who, you know, he'd probably, probably used to facing that calibre of bat and knowing kind of margins for error and the type of shots they might play. Um, but, yeah, 5 for 13, deserved as man of the match of the award, got Scotland over the line. Oh, it did drop drop an absolute George at the end. That would have been a nice way to finish if uh, give Safi his wicket on the last ball, but um, well, I'm sure he quickly forgot about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I think no. I think Pete as well. Like I think if Adair bats for another over, then I think I, I think he wins Ireland the game. I think the way he was going. Yeah. It certainly felt that way. It certainly felt that way. I mean, if you're looking there, you know, they needed 22, I think it was, off the last two. Is that right? Um, and he's hit, you know, uh, uh, yeah, if he, if he just, if he sees out that over, that eight, eight, 19th over, rather than getting out second ball, I feel that they're on probably, you know, needing eight off the last or something like that. I know there may be eight down, but you know, the the it, it's a bit like the comeuppance for the game that we um that we beat them in Zimbabwe in some respects, you know, with a late order flourish. Um but it's funny, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, it's wonderful. They've won six out of six Scotland, and it's great that they've beaten Ireland in front of a packed house, a bit of a bogey team and all the rest of that. And we're all saying now, and quite rightly, it's a wonderful tournament. They've really impressed us, all the rest of that. Fine margins, though. They could have qualified, lost to Ireland, and we'd all have been a bit like, well, fuck, they only beat Austria and Germany and whatever. So it's it's fine margins. But these sort of performances against this sort of opposition, the Irish in particular, that 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 that, that stays in the soul, metaphorically, for quite a long time, you know? Um, the fact that they can go back and go, we, we did that, we beat them there. Um, that that's the sort of results that help us go and beat more quality opposition in the future. I would say. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And I think it, I think it also probably secures your likes of Barrington for another. He'll he'll want to make sure he's there at the World Cup in twenty twenty four, which is good. I think if Scotland failed to qualify for that, then he might be looking at the fixture calendar, thinking, mm, I don't know if I want to hang around for this now, but. I think that's quite an important quite a tournament to be qualified for, especially after coming so close to getting to to India. Um, the next thing I was going to touch on, Pete, is when's the next thing we're going to play a game? When are Scotland oh. going to play next, you know? Who knows, eh? I mean, Liam, I know that we've got a guest coming on this podcast later on um, who may be able to give us some more insight on that, or maybe they don't know themselves. Um, but that's the scary thing, isn't it? There's no World Cricket League 2 at the moment. Goodness knows what's happening with that. I presume something will start up again after the World Cup, but that's... And whether or not that, that'll see some fixtures over the winter, I do not know. Um, but, you know, we've got a load of players here who have got to just go back to their clubs where, realistically, a domestic season is is drawing to a close. There isn't any regional cricket. I note that the... And Tiger under-19s are currently touring against our Performance Academy right now. Does that mean that we get to go back over to Antigua in the winter? Who knows? That would be lovely. Um, but, but yeah, I don't, I don't know about fixtures. And that's a real concern because uh, they need them, um, if only to keep the momentum up. Yeah, exactly, mate. I don't know what... Um, hopefully, Ollie will be able to fill us in on what they're actually doing in the meantime. 
I presume they'll be getting some type of coaching and some type of um, drilling, I suppose. Uh, coaches uh, like Money Bigbal, uh, Steve Gilmore and lads like that doing kind of some of the work with the team, Pete. So I'd imagine, hopefully, they'll continue doing stuff with the, with the contracted players over the summer. But like you say, time is running out on this, uh, this season. Um, and I, I suppose a lot of the lads will be trying to occupy themselves over the winter, but that won't be easy. Oh, no, because especially with our squad, a lot of them are not exactly... Some of them are married with kids. They can't exactly go down under for a winter or anything like that, you know, and play a domestic season down there. That becomes challenging. Um, I know, obviously, you know, if you're a county, you sometimes can get that funded through the county and off you go, even with your family, but that's just not possible with our guys, you know, and um, it is a, it's, a, it's a real problem. I mean, look, we're looking at, it's the 3rd of, August, 3rd of August now. Um, there's still a month and a half of the season. I hope that they can get some Performance Academy games in at the very least or something. I have no idea, but it, it and the fact they've also got the coaches away or the main coaches is gone. Um, that's that's real tricky. The one thing I would say, as always, these guys always manage to find a way to keep their levels of the at, at, at the highest they can. Um, and many cricketers would say at this time of year, domestic professional cricketers would say, I'm absolutely knackered. I can't be asked with any more cricket. And actually, our boys are getting a rest um, when, when many other players aren't. It would be nice if a few of them got to go in the 50-over uh, competition down in England where teams are maybe struggling domestically. That would be a, a nice touch as well. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think that would that would be obviously with a friend of the show, Chris Soule, has uh, signed a deal with the St. Lucia Kings over in the CPL. Yep. So uh, he did actually give us the exclusive, but we just couldn't talk about it on the, on the pod. But yeah, he uh, impressed Darren Sammy, who's the current West Indies coach, with his performances both in the warm-up game and in the uh, the qualifying game in Zimbabwe. So Dan Sammy has the St. Lucia Kings and he's requested the services of Chris Soul. So hopefully he uh, does well out there and makes a name for himself. 100%. And it gives us a little bit of uh, interest in that competition, seeing him play there for a little bit. And uh, it's hopefully he's, he's fit and ready to go for that. I know that... You know the prognosis on his injury was hope, hoping he could get back into fit, fit and ready for kind of mid to late August. So that's great. I mean, what an asset! And hope I'm sure his phone will be ringing off the hook for maybe future contract deals and all the rest of that in uh, in in these kind of competitions. So um, so yeah, absolutely. I, I'm 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 well pleased for for Chris Soland. You never know. Hopefully, this will lead to other other domestic other players of ours getting uh, some winter contracts in the plethora of franchise tournaments that happen all over the world, most of which I think are complete fucking garbage. But if a Scotland player is playing, I'll probably watch it. <laughs> Pete, while, uh, while we've still time, obviously your favourite domestic uh, competition just started uh, this week, the 100. Uh, I presume you've been glued. The Chris Packet competition. The Chris <laughs> Packet competition. What... I know I've been on this podcast before ranting and raving about what a load of bollocks that is. It's wonder. I mean, look, I, the, the, when, when people come back, you know, and they will and say, well, the thing is, is that 
it's 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 great for the kids and it is great for the kids and it's great it's been really great for the women's game as well don't get me wrong my issue with 100 as always is the fact that it, we didn't need to have 100 we could have just promoted the domestic game in england an awful lot better 18 counties if you had if they had that level of money spent on their domestic game of which the quality is arguably better than the 100 in terms of the players that are playing in it it's just bulk bullshit it's wonderful to see the crowds look fucking half empty um, as I saw with some Welsh fire game yesterday, the commentary from I've just seen clips because I would never watch it on the TV. The commentary is disgusting and terrible, and just they got some Love Island guy on it. It's what a load of chuff that is. It was great. Rashid Khan pulled out the night before, brilliant, fantastic. I mean, the thing, sport is nothing without identity, without meaning. Why do we have this podcast? It's because we're interested in our clubs in Scotland. We're interested in our national team and the game because we're, we've got identity in it. We care about it. Who gives a fuck about the Northern Superchargers? Where does the, are they called the Northern Superchargers? Where does the Northern Superchargers even begin and end? Where are the Trent Rockets? It's a team named after a fucking river. What a crock of shite. And then there's another team named after a fucking stadium, Oval Invincibles. There's nothing fucking invincible about them. Southern spirit, is it a southern vibe? I don't fucking know. What a crock of shite, right? Sport, it's all about identity. All these franchise competitions being fueled by rich uh, uh, external benefactors or the ECB, they've got, they, they will not survive. They will not work. And it's so important that the, it's not about maintaining history. It's about maintaining identity. It's why international sport needs to be the pinnacle which it is in so many other sports, and it should be in cricket, but it's being hugely diluted um, in, elsewhere. And when you've got established entities in countries like the UK, like you've got with the counties, and, and you could add Scotland, Ireland, Holland to that, maintain them, let them flourish. You know, just add to them. Don't crush them by going over the top on it, you know? Mate, that's I should get money for that. I should be like acting as your counsellor. I'm like, just have a have a breath, Pete, and have a drink, and you'll you'll be all right, mate. But yeah, I, I was nodding, mate. I was nodding. I understand what you're saying, mate. But yeah, fifty over the fifty over Metro Bank Cup is fucking brilliant, though. On the other hand, it was really really good. Harry Tector was playing for Gloucestershire the other day and looked looked a million dollars. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, it, Ollie Price it, it, as well. Another Ollie Price. What, what what a lovely lad he is, and. It, it, it was slightly depressing today that, like, you know, a peak game, the Lancashire-Yorkshire game being played at um, Scarborough was called off because there was, like, a leak in the covers. That was proper sort of vintage uh, club cricket outground leak in the covers, the sort of thing that you would do um, if you're playing top of the table, you leave a gap in the covers and you know you're on a fucking Friday night session instead. He knows <laughs> happen. Yeah. Yeah, there was, there's been a few of them in Scotland uh, over the years, but we'll not talk about them for fear of Lyle. Um, people just touch on our own domestic T20 competition, which is uh, having its finals day this Sunday. Um, mm -hmm. We've got Forfarshire Presswick in one side of the semi-final and Falkland Carrollton in the other. So um, all I'm hoping for is a dry day so we get, get those games played. And I think you're looking at... Uh, for the winner, we'll get back to uh, Spain and take part in the European T10 stuff. So, decent carrot uh, for whoever uh, wins that competition. A huge carrot, a huge carrot. 
Did you say Falkland? Are there two teams from that, that, that north area playing there? Now, yeah, you're right, mate. I looked at it and thought that, and I could be totally wrong, but I think the only way, I think they must give an extra place to the current winners. That's the way right. I think of it. But, but I might be wrong. Yeah, well, that's a bit of a random one. So it's kind of but like it, north, yeah. east and west, and there's no south representation. So I don't know yeah. if it got too difficult in terms of maybe logistics to, to play a T20 competition when you, you know, when Dumfries are in it, but so are Kelso and Gala. I imagine that's quite a journey to try and accommodate. Yeah, potentially, I suppose. I mean, um, yeah, but I mean, geez, good good on Falkland for getting there. Um, and um, But I definitely think Falk for sure the team to beat. It was good to see in the West, though. Um, they eventually got that Rowan Cup uh, 100th anniversary fixture played um, on a, you know, a slightly better wicket this time, which is good. Um, and Presswick won it for, I believe, the first time in 100 years, which is really, really impressive. So it's really good to see two, not, look, Presswick have won the West Championship not that long ago, but not your sort of Fergusley, Clydesdale, Uddingston, traditional winners getting to the final and credit to GHK as well, aside in the championship. Really good to see. It sort of reminded me a little bit of when Millwall got to the FA Cup final or or when, you know, you've seen that in, you know, obviously in Gretna got to the Scottish Cup final at the time. It's kind of had that little element to it. Really nice to see. Um, but credit to Presswick, who obviously, you know, are a top team um, in the West and uh, I'm sure they'll push it really close as well. Um, so, so it should be good. Carlton, um, well, maybe they'll do well. I don't ever want to say Carlton will do well. Um, albeit actually being back, I've been back to Carlton a couple of times this season, and they they seem to have changed their side massively. And they're, they're, you know they all seem thoroughly nice, but uh, you know they'll probably bottle it. That's what they do, isn't it, Carlton? Mm, no comment. Uh, my good friend Umir Muhammad will be captain, so I better better wish him some luck. Uh, oh, I wish them all luck. Wish them all luck, of course. Of course, of course. Hope cricket's the winner. <coughs> or for Um But uh, I noticed, actually, while you talk about Carrollton, I noticed that they're under-13s. I think it was under-13s, maybe under-14s. Went and won the kind of North of England uh, Cup as well. So the, 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 they seem to be winning all the Junior Cups uh, in Scotland. And then they went down. Um, and, um, um, they didn't win the under-14 Cup. Because they got beaten by Watsonians. It must have been under thirteens then. Apologies. It was the under thirteens because because um, because they they you're right they have one they they seem to be doing very well in everything, and then uh, under fourteens uh, Watsonians came along and beat them. But yes, well that's um, good. Uh, yeah. I think uh, I think uh, credit to them, and and I, I imagine they're a couple of steps away from Lords or or a big a big cup final. Great to see. I love it when when. I feel that when you see the junior sides doing well in England, I feel that that is a great barometer for how our club game is relative. Because we, I think we can get a bit insular and think, oh God, the National League, it, it, there's there's some big teams and some not so good teams or, or some teams, there's a big disparity between the top and the bottom of your first and 10th place teams. But I think the very top clubs in Scotland are as good as the very, very top clubs in England. And that goes root and branch right down to your under 11s, under 9s, under 13s, under 17s. And I think that, you know, if I'm being honest, the likes of Carlton, the likes of Grange, the likes of Forfarshire, Clydesdale, Uddingston in the West, they, they they are clubs that are as big and as good quality of player across all age groups 
including first club, first team, uh, than, than there are in England, having watched a bit of domestic English cricket in the last, on the weekend there, for example. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a fair point. Right, Pete, we'll call it a day there and we'll uh, go and speak to Ollie Harris and hear what he has to say. Let's do that. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Right, we've got Ollie Harris here, star of Scotland's recent successful T20 campaign and brief record holder of Scotland's highest T20 innings. Is that correct, Ollie? Yeah, have I got that right? Yeah, it was for all of about 12 hours, I think, before Munns had to outdo me. Um, I think he wanted it back. So, yeah, I think yeah. it was uh, it's about less time than That time you went and scored some runs, wasn't it? Anyway, well, uh, uh, never mind. No, no, I mean, he doesn't listen. It's fine. Um, so, so, no, Ollie, we, we, um, we're gonna, we want to ask you a few questions, um, not just about the recent campaign, but also about, um, you know, what, what's happened over the last 12 months or so, because over Christmas time, uh, or kind of around that winter time, you kind of said, you know, that you were, you were stepping away from the international game, focusing on Watsonians, club cricket and all the rest of that. Um, so, you know, what did you do in that retirement? Because something happened, something changed. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, retired. It was pretty tough being non-contracted um, and trying to fit in about eight different little little bits of work um, as well as uh, a growing family. So it was, yeah, yeah. took the decision to sort of step back. Um, it had been a pretty full-on year um, leading up to it. Some injuries... Um, not getting selected and I think it just felt like the right time to just hang it up um, body was starting to feel it a little bit um, and yeah since then just focused on the coaching was at the club at the school started doing the under 17s and 19 stuff um, and then yeah I think I got I got cornered by George Salmond in school um, who asked yeah. are, you, are you sure and I think the first time I said yes and we parted ways I think the second time he said, you're 100% sure. And it was like, a, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I think it must have been that the third or fourth time of him hounding me in the corridor where I just went, well, we never say never. Um, so I ended up having a chat with uh, with Toby Bailey about how it would might possibly work. Um, and, yeah, it was hardly any cricket. Um, so I just said, well, I'm available if, if required. Um, played a few A-team games. Whacked a few, rocked up to training. Um, I think it was once, yeah, Doug and the team had come back from Antigua, whacked a few, and yeah, that was sort of it. I think that, yeah, sort of came out of the blue a little bit. But. And if, if, if George Salmon, is he the headmaster at the school? So he's head of the junior school, yeah. yeah. Head of so the I junior school. It's quite a thing to say no to him three times, you know what I mean? You're like, I, I always think the idea of like the headmaster turning up or, or you know and, and and coming up even if you are a member of staff it's like you just say yes don't you you know at that stage especially as he's a scottish cricket legend so fair play yeah, to you he's in the junior school so i'm mainly in the senior school with maca where i tell him no all the time but it's fine i think i yeah. just got used to it um, well and, yeah uh, you're certainly used to saying no when uh when i was your captain a few years ago i'll tell you that <laughs> but uh that, that that's 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 another story in the 40th over to be fair so you, you said no in about the first over. <laughs> I'm going to bowl this one. No, you're not. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, anyway, uh, no, Liam, you got anything to add to that? Ollie, would you be are you Scotland's specialist T20 internationalist, or is there a, could you be persuaded to play the longer format? Uh, it's something that's been yeah discussed. Um, I've never when, when I first came back up, it wasn't specifically for T20. It was just the sort of way I scored my runs and the opportunities that came about. Um, never actually sort of kicked on in previous years. So yeah, recently it's been well the last week it's been it's been thought about and discussed, um, and probably something to discuss in the with the the new coach who's appointed and um, might need to sort the knee out um, if I'm going to start playing more than twenty overs where I'm standing at short fine leg. But yeah, it'd be. Um, Never say ne, never say never. I've always wanted to play. I've not played since I was twenty odd or so. Um, it's the same sort of thing. You see a ball and hit it and hope for the best. That's wonderful. That's the that's the coach of Scotland under seventeens, by the way. <laughs> no, so. that's my mantra: do do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And what about, so? What about this tournament here? You know, you've come in into the you know T Twenty qualifier. What I mean, for starters, what's it like coming back in? You obviously know a lot of the guys. A lot of them have probably messaged you to say all the best in your retirement and then you're back in the squad and all the rest of that. I mean, when I saw you coming to the ground that first morning against Germany, I felt there was something different about you as soon as I saw it. I don't know what it was. What what was it like sort of re re-entering the squad and, and coming on board for this big tournament? Yeah, I mean... Re-entering, I'd only been off for three months, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't yeah. like it was a couple, couple of years and coming back into it. And as you say, it was the same same guys who I've been playing with for years. Obviously, Barrington leading. I've been, played on my A team stuff when I first came in with him. Played with Munns, um, played with all these guys, uh, yeah, for for quite a while. Um, it's quite a close knit group, so it was pretty easy sort of slotting straight back in. Um, I think it was. I was a little bit sort of nervous coming with a new coach who had not really been, hadn't seen, um, but Doug's been, and I'm pretty sure everyone will say this, he's been awesome in such a short space of time, getting everyone together and on board. Um, it's not easy coming in with a tournament, well, two big tournaments um, so close together. Obviously, knowing he was only there for sort of four months or so was, yeah, he, he's been really good, had some really clear chats with him. Um, and it just made me feel pretty sort of at ease um, with my skills and what I was going to offer. Um, it was very clear plans. Um, spoke to spoke to batting coaches and all sorts. And yeah, it was very clear. There wasn't really much much added sort of pressure or thought from my from my end. It was you're going in to do this up top. I haven't actually opened for opened for Scotland for. A fair while. Um, I'd always been coming in sort of five or three, so it was good to just have that clarity of you're going up top, doing what you've been doing for the last, well, basically most of my most of my career. So you no, know, it was clear, and yeah, really don't know whether being out of it for a bit it sort of brought that hunger back, um, and having the family around it being a home series and then being down at the ground um, was yeah was pretty special to be fair. Ollie, you mentioned some of the players that obviously you've played with for years. One player that you maybe hadn't played with was Brandon McMillan, um, who you shared a large partnership with. Um, what are your thoughts on Brandon? 
He's pretty good, isn't he? <laughs> he, he can play. Um, yeah, so I've, I've trained, I've been on a few trips with uh, Brandon, uh, played against him in the regional series. And yeah, he's, there's something different about, um, about how he sort of operates. He's come in and sort of burst onto the scene and yeah, he's, he's, he's class. That was the first time we've ever batted together, to be fair. And yeah, it was nice and chilled out. There wasn't much, much sort of chat. Um, it was sort of clear moments where it was obvious he wanted to sort of take a certain bowler down with a shorter, slightly shorter side. Um, and then, yeah, I think there was one bit where the spinner came onto the short side and I just turned around and looked at him and he just nodded and then looked to get one and he accidentally hit two and as he ran past, he said, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not sure if that was because he'd, I wasn't on strike or if he'd made me run a two. So I'm not, not quite sure. I need to check with him on that one. Um, but yeah, no, he was, he, he's awesome. Um, he does a lot of stuff behind the scenes that obviously you don't see. He's, yeah. A proper professional outfit, and what? And, and obviously, you know, you were sharing that innings with Brandon, but the, you know, the 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 main event was was that wonderful knock that you hit against Italy. I mean, we talked about it, and everybody talked about it before the competition. Italy were a really big banana skin for everybody. They played really well against Ireland. They had guys like Gareth Burr, Grant Stewart, a couple of guys who played for South Australia. Um, you know, Wayne Madsen. I mean, you've and you've just gone out there and smashed it. What, what, you know, how, how talk us through that? I mean, what, 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 what was going on? How did you manage to pull that one? Not, not, not that it surprised me, but just tell, tell us a little bit about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just try and forget who's sort of playing. Um, easier said than done, but yeah, it's um, trying to just sort of forget forget who's coming and just remember it's just just a ball coming down and sometimes sometimes it's your day um I think being being dropped early doors sort of helps as well um when you're in that sort of in that sort of form um so which happens quite a bit in club cricket as well to be fair I think I've had quite a few lifelines over the years um which yeah. is always nice um but yeah just being able to again have that clarity up top and went this is what we're doing we didn't have any restrictions on sort of KPIs and all this, we need to be X out of the power play and you can't be more than two down and X, what have you. It was very clear of if you want to go, you go. If you keep backing your skills, um, smart cricket and communicating the whole time, which I think we we sort of did the, as yeah most of the time. You hit that one particular bomb that I remember, you know, that went over the fence, over the kind of, the, the the netting onto the tenant or beyond the tennis courts at Grange. I mean, that was that went out of orbit. That that's as big a hit as as anyone I'll see. I mean, pretty special that. Now it was yeah, a few a few got away. Having that short side as well helped. There are a few that uh, if it was going the other way might not have gone. But again, it was a, sort of same for both teams. Um, obviously, we probably capitalised on it a little bit better. Um, some yeah, almost. With the little shorter side as well, you end up relaxing that little bit more and probably not trying to hit it as hard. And they usually end up going a little bit further, and they they look even bigger as well when the boundary's slightly in. So, Ollie, no, in that particular game, obviously you're a specialist inner ring fielder. Uh, there seemed to be a little bit of chat uh, going on early doors. With it, was there a bit going on in there? 
Yeah, well, in this in the second inning. Yeah, I think it got a little bit heated. I think at times, um, which was which was good to be fair. I remember you know, I was standing next to Leesky at the time, and he can't remember what he said. He said something, and then someone nibbled back, and it all sort of someone at the non-strikers end started saying something. I just remember laughing at Crossy, and at one point, just being like, I "Don't know how that sort of got out of hand, considering they were." Was it five down at that point? It was yeah, it was a bit bizarre. Um, it was good to see sort of that that passion and sort of hunger though. But yeah, it was especially when Leesky gets going. It's usually quite funny. <laughs> Leesky, Leesky in talking in cricket games, shock. That'll be <laughs> as if that's never happened before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he always comes out with a few belters as well. Yeah, I'll, and and not, you know, obviously it was great that you guys could could. Go on, win all six games, beat the Irish, and all the rest of that. I mean, what happens? What happens now? Because that you know, the the guys have had the T Twenty qualifier. There's been the T, sorry, the T Twenty qualifier, the World Cup qualifiers. We're at the beginning of August. Is it just a case of just going back and playing for your clubs now? I mean, how how does it work from a in, inside the the squad perspective? Do you guys still train together? What what happens over the next sort of few months and, and can you get some more competitive cricket beyond playing for fourth place in the Eastern Premier League? Um, that's pretty competitive getting up to fourth to be fair. We've got a few games that we need to win at the weekend. Um, but yeah, so a little bit of a break now, obviously. Um, there'll be a new coach uh, coming in soon, which will obviously then sort of ramp things up again. I think there's World Cricket League starting in February. Um, for the 50 over stuff so that will sort of start to be the focus um, there's a few little smaller tournaments over the well, leading up to well, in September and October and December sort of stuff there'll be the few trips to Edmonton or the US Open uh, a little Atlanta league um, but just to keep you ticking over but yeah a little bit of a break it's been quite a busy schedule for most of the guys um, who haven't probably haven't been at home that much so a little bit of a break and then yeah go again oh and the t10 in malaga as well i think i think that's going to be an entertaining one. Oh yuck t10 in bloody malaga oh oh and t20 us open in like atlanta you've tried to convince me that these are seriously good competitions um i mean in all honesty are they i take it the standard's pretty good for these kind of things then yeah yeah, so obviously now with the franchise stuff flying around, you get some, you get all the guys sort of doing that circuit. I mean, the US Open last year, Cornwall, Guptill, a lot of the county guys would sort of go down there. Um, Fidel Edwards, there was yeah some some big names, so it's still yeah pretty decent cricket. Um, and hopefully get a few opportunities to go and showcase showcase some skills um, out there. Uh, and then yeah, once you're sort of in, hopefully progress to sort of the the bigger stuff. Big time. I know Liam's got a few other questions that are not cricket related that we definitely want to ask you. So, uh, Liam, fire away. Yes, mate. Time, time to move on to the serious stuff now, uh, Ollie. Um, so, some of these are quick fire. Some of them need an explanation. We'll start off with death row meal. Give me it. Oh, that'd be tough, actually. Death row meal. Some, just something large to uh, to really fill me up, which might take a while and it might prolong the whole experience. 
The biggest pizza <laughs> possible. There you go. Nice, nice. Pineapple on a pizza, yes or no? I was, I was a no. I had it once. It's an ongoing debate. I don't hate it. Okay, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, best, best domestic teas in Scotland currently. Ooh. Oh, I mean, we're, we're, they've obviously gone down, but our growth's always a good one. I do love yeah. an our growth team. So, so hopefully, I think they're they're top at the moment. So if they can come back up, that'd be ideal. Yeah. Yeah, get a good feed. Football or rugby? Rugby. Any favourite teams? Uh, so, grew up around the corner from the stoop, so uh, Harlequins. Quins, nice. Yeah. What, what, what's happening with them? Do they have kind of financial difficulties and stuff? or? Uh, I think every club goes through a little bit of that, doesn't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long as it's, uh, it's a bit more above board than a few of the others. Meyerside or Jesmond? Jesmond because it's small. Meyerside for the uh, for the pavilion uh, balcony. You must have caused some damage in Jesmond because I've played a few times there and it's very short on one side. Yeah, it depends which way you're going. You're either hitting balls into the cemetery or into the flats at the other end. So. <laughs> Do you have a, have a few nights down there? What's the what's the main drag? Is it Jesmond Avenue or Osmond Road? Yeah, is it Osmond? Osborne, Osborne, Osborne Road. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I was there obviously during COVID. COVID year. So the uh, cricket club used to be just be the biggest uh, beer garden. So you just used to hang around there. To be fair. Breakfast roll, brown sauce or red sauce? Red sauce. Correct. <laughs> Captains, Barrington or McSimchip? <laughs> Barrington. <laughs> <laughs> Pete didn't really offer much. That was that was instant. Uh, Scotland are playing a five-a-side football tournament. You're in out of the cricket mob. Who's it. the other four? What's he I'm doing? What the hell is he doing? I retired myself stick. straight away. Uh, I think, uh, to be fair, there's a few. I think Watty would like to think that he's in there as king of the king of the youngies. Um, Liam Naylor's pretty good at pretty handy at football. T Mac, not too bad. Yeah. Um, oh, who else? One more. Munz is pretty. Munz is pretty solid in the middle. To be fair, he's a big physical. Uh, oh, who else? I think I'd have to bring Costa back out of uh, retirement and get him up top. I love scoring goals. Love it. I don't know how. I don't know how, but he, he, every time. Poacher's instinct. <laughs> right, Ollie. Last ball of the season. Watsons need six to win, to clinch fourth. Who are you sending in? Who am I sending in? Farhan Khan. He did it at force out of absolutely nowhere. Walked in first ball, hit three bombs in the four balls. Everyone was just stunned. <laughs> rogue, rogue one. The under 17, Farhan Khan. What a guy. Here we go. Throwing him in. Pete, anything to add? Nothing to add. I'm still dumbfounded by getting beaten by Richie Barrington on captain, captaincy with such a firm rebuttal 
no, no, in all honesty. No, I just think thanks a lot, Ollie. It's great to see you back in the Scotland side. And, and as I've said, it's great to see you smiling and playing some good cricket and uh, really looking forward to the run into the next T20 World Cup and hopefully seeing you in some 50 over stuff as well, mate. Yeah, thanks for your time. No, no worries at all. Try and stay fit and keep going. Good man. Top man. See, see you guys later. Cheers, See you later, Ollie. Thanks Bye a lot. Now. Sorry for keeping you.